great to see you all. I've had to shut the blinds. Who likes sunshine? I like sunshine, but it was right in my eyes. I'm really sorry I've had to shut it out this morning. Um, isn't it nice to, uh, to have a beautiful summer day in October? It makes me happy, the sunshine, and it makes me happy this morning that I can be here to worship with my family and some friends, and I'm just really pleased that you're here. Um, welcome to everybody this morning to the Bethel. I've asked for the children to join us this morning to start with um, because they're part of our family and we love them. And uh, we're going to begin with two songs uh, in worship of our, our Father. And the first one I thought the children might like and be able to join in with us. So we're going to sing from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, You are the God who made me. Uh, and then we're going to sing from the hymn book, Lord, when we meet to worship thee. So if you'd like to stand up and join us, that would be lovely. Our Father, we are so fortunate to be able to meet here this morning and we thank you for this opportunity to meet together as a family, as your family, to think about you, to remember your son and just to be in your presence. Lord, you are the God who, who made, it, made us, who, who knows us and who loves us with a love that is beyond compare and to be here with each other in your presence, in the presence of your son this morning. It's, it's great, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. And we pray that as we approach your throne of grace, as we open our hearts to you this morning, that you will send down your blessing from above on each and every one of us, that you will fill us with your spirit and renew us um, in our resolve to serve you and in our love for you and for each other. Please bless us richly, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please continue to pray for, for Wendy Leach, uh, who is unwell and is in hospital. We had some word from, from Dave that, that she's showing some I improvement, but she still uh, is not well and, and needs, needs our prayers. We also uh, uh, think about uh, Mark and Elaine as the, the birth of their baby approaches. When, when is the... Uh, three, weeks. three weeks. So yes, we're all uh, thinking about you and praying for you all. And please continue to pray for John uh, Banani and the brothers and sisters in the Congo. Uh, and also those who um, continue to struggle with, with ongoing problems. Uh, people like uh, Gladys and, and Marion and, and also Pauline. Uh, Andrew passed a message on to me that, um, that uh, Pauline uh, was... Uh, was seen the week when they distributed... Um, Harvest gifts, and she's she's uh, re reasonably well, and asked to be remembered to her brothers and sisters here at Old Trafford, and also Leslie and Beatrice Yardley, uh, who were at sale, also had uh, some Christmas uh, harvest gifts distributed to them, and they again uh, wanted to pass on their love uh, to you all and their thanks for the uh, the gifts. Uh, we also had some lovely news that uh, Judith and Neil um, have had a baby boy uh, this morning. So hot off the press, press. Uh, the, it's a it's a boy, uh, William James, and I, I'm afraid I don't have the uh, the um, the weight in uh, in proper units, but it's six pounds and fifteen um, whatever the little ones are in, in pounds. Uh, it was a few weeks early. Uh, but everyone uh, seems okay so far. Uh, also, Andrew Campion uh, had an operation on his knee last week, uh, and to quote him, it was an osteo-something that they did. Uh, he's doing well and quite enjoying being weighted on hand and foot, and presumably knee as well. The other announcements that uh, Andrew gave me, and that's that uh, Tessa Byram, who some of you will know has been diagnosed also with cancer. Um, she had a CT scan
scan in the week and the results will be known this coming week. So our, our thoughts are with, with Tessa and Paul. Shall we pray? Lord God, we've spent some time now talking about the things that we're organising. We've spent some time thinking about news of new life. We've spent some time thinking about the problems that people are having and the frailties that people are suffering in their lives. And Lord, we bring all of this to you. Lord God, we, we don't just come to you to say thank you for the good things. We don't just come to you to say, please bless our plans. We don't just come to you to say, heal the sick and comfort the distressed. Lord, we bring you everything that happens in our lives. The, the good and the, and the not so good. The happy and the sad. Our plans and our confusions. Lord God, you see into our hearts and you know what we are thinking and you know what we need. We pray, Father, for your blessing on our plans. That you will take our ideas and take our intentions and turn them into something good for you. Where you are glorified and not us. Lord, we bring you our happiness and we thank you for new life. Lord, we thank you for Neil and Jude's new baby son, William. And we pray for Mark and Elaine's new baby that is due very soon. Lord, we pray for those new lives and ask for your richest blessing. Lord, we think of those who are frail, who are suffering from ongoing health problems, those who have received worrying and troubling news. And Lord, we pray that you will be with them for those that we know personally and for those that we don't. Lord, bless them and bless each of us as we face this coming week to face it with you and in your strength. Thank you, Martin. Shall we read together? We're going to read um, firstly from John, chapter 1. Uh, the first 34 verses, and I'll ask Rob if he'll come and read that. John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only begotten, who is at the Father's side, has made his, his known, him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Who then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The things of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and one and remained on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man of whom ye see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Thank you, Rob. We read there John's testimony. I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. That was his declaration. And we're going to make that declaration as well. We're going to um, offer some praise to our Saviour, to Jesus. Jesus, you are the radiance of the Father's glory. You are the Son. We believe that our Lord Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to save us and we give him the praise and the honour that is due uh, to him that his Father's given him. So let's, let's stand together and sing now, Jesus, you the radiance. Now we're going to read together again, this time from Matthew 7, which is um, where Andrew's heading in his exhortation. Philip, please will you come and read Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye.
Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, through you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the, these words of mine and do not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these, saying these words, these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught us one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. Thank you, Philip. Andy, please come and encourage us. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, I've not had a long time to prepare this exhortation, um, slightly less than a week. Um, so we're going to talk about something which I already knew a bit about. Uh, and if you were listening closely this morning, well, you, there's no way you'd have picked up on it, but I did. The first collection, the second collection was for building, um, and we're going to be thinking about building tonight, this, this morning. We're not going to look back at the first chapter of John's Gospel, but uh, I, was, I was really pleased that Neil chose to have it read, because it, it does really establish who Jesus is. It establishes his foundations. And 
we see through that first chapter of John the foundations of Jesus' ministry being laid. We see his heritage in those first verses that sometimes we find difficult, but we see there that John and and God establishes who Jesus is. We see the testimony of John the Baptist establishing him. We see his baptism and the Holy Spirit resting on him. And then we see him appointing the first disciples. All these things which start off Jesus' ministry and establish Jesus as as the firm foundation that, that we know him to be. So as I said, we're going to talk about buildings. Buildings are my business and I deal with buildings every day. Though I don't get my hands dirty, uh, I have other people to do that. Um, for many of you, perhaps, the building process might be a novelty. Uh, I was hoping to do this exhortation a bit later in the year when we might be having some building work done outside. That's not started yet, but when it does, I hope that it, you might be reminded of some of the things that, you've, that you hear this morning and remember again some of the lessons that, that we can learn from building. There are lots of spiritual lessons in buildings and in, uh, and in foundations and the Bible picks up on those in a number of places. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Um, I'll pause there because I started off by looking at Luke, but it's the same chapter. Um, and we're going to go to other places where buildings and foundations are mentioned and just draw some lessons from those places. I think that most people, if not everybody, recognises that foundations are important. It might just be because of this parable. Um, but people generally recognise that foundations are important, but people still cut corners with foundations. So a few pictures to um, remind you of what happens if you don't pay attention to foundations. That's the leading tower of Pisa, which I'm sure you've all heard of. Um, I can't honestly say that I know the foundation problems there, but there obviously were some. Um, There's probably some lessons in that. Building on a slightly suspect foundation might still be supportable, but I'm not, I haven't explored those, those uh, ideas. So, um, That's just some uh, unfortunate building. One of these is a laser. Does anyone know which one it is? Not that one. Just that one. And you can see the corner of the house basically is falling down the hill. So it looks like this is the problem, but that's not the problem. The problem is down here that the corner of the house, you can see a crack goes from there all the way down the side of that window and all this brick's fallen out. And again, I don't know the reason for that problem, but a bad foundation has meant that that house is uh, no longer livable in the wall, or whatever the word is. You know what I mean. This is a very famous picture. I don't know if any of it is famous among the structural engineering fraternity, anyway. Um, <laughs> this block of flats is on its side. I don't know if any of you have seen this poster before. You can see there, there's a block of flats the right way up. Okay? This whole block of flats in its entirety, has fallen over. You can see the bottom here. This is the bottom of the flats. Um, this is where the foundation should have been. And that there, I think, is probably the foundation. So the problem here is that the building is not connected to its foundations. Okay. Um, this is in China, by the way. Um, so that's quite a special photo. There are some others like that if you search on the internet for foundation failures, which maybe you don't find interesting. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to go into those things. The fact that that building's not connected to a foundation, I think you can probably make some spiritual connections for yourselves there. And Jesus stresses the importance of putting in work to, to build your foundation. Let's uh, have a look at Matthew chapter 7. The the wise man in verse 24 built his house on the rock. Um, Keep your finger in Matthew 7 and and also find Luke 6 because they are very similar but there are just a couple of bits of words which uh, Luke has that that Matthew doesn't and probably vice versa as well. So, um, in Luke 6, 
if we look at verse 48. The wise man is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. So the dug down deep is what I was looking for there. Jesus is emphasising that you have to put work in to find a foundation. I think that the reason he's emphasising this, digging down deep, is because we want, he wants us to build something which will last. There is nothing wrong with sand as a foundation. Um, I don't know, Luke doesn't refer to sand. Does Matthew refer to sand? Yes, Matthew says, who built his house on sand. Sand is a really good foundation. Lots of places in this country are built on sand. Sand is okay until you get water involved. And that is part of, part of the, the story. We see that the rain comes and the floods rise and the sand washes away. What Jesus is saying is to build on something which will last, which will not be affected by the storm and the flood. So if you're going to build a sand castle, then sand is a perfectly good foundation. If you're going to build um, a house in this country, sand is okay as long as you're not going to get water involved. But what Jesus is saying is build on rock, dig down and build on something eternal. And he says that because he wants our buildings, our faith, to last longer than sand castles, to last into eternity by his grace. So we should build on rock. I think that's Edinburgh Castle. Um, we should build on rock. If we want something to last, we should build on something which will last and which won't be affected by the things around us. Now, we know that even rock erodes. So when Jesus is talking about foundations, he wants us to go beyond what we know. People knew that rock was there, but they didn't know that it eroded. But we now know that it erodes. So Jesus is something beyond anything that we can imagine as a foundation. But he uses rock as the example because it was the most permanent thing that the people would have known about. Jesus isn't interested in physical buildings, although if you, if you stick to these words, you won't go far wrong. He wants us to build a life which will be eternal by his grace. So finding the right foundation material is important. And it's not always just as straightforward as rock and sand. Now, if you ever sit the exam to become a chartered structural engineer, which I appreciate is unlikely for most of you, but look out for a trick. There's always at least one trick in the exam paper. And it's often in the site investigation information. Site investigation information is an investigation of the ground you're going to build on. And they give you what's called a borehole log. You might not need to know any of this, but it will often have something really good near the surface, a good stiff clay or something like that. And then underneath, there might be a metre's worth of peat or there might be high water. And you've got to look out for the foundation not being everything it appears to be. Not everything is suitable. There might be something underneath, there might be something from the side in terms of water, there might be uh, the edge of a cliff like we saw with that house. Something that's going to mean that what you thought was good might slip away. And that I am extending the parable a little here, but when Jesus talks about digging down deep, he's saying, go down, make sure that you can't be on something false. And when we are trying to build our faith, our eternal life, we need to make sure that we're on the right foundation. We're on something solid that can't be eroded or washed away by the things around us, by the things of this world. Something superficial. But all this talk about foundations is just a preliminary because we know about our foundation. Let's look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. Don't lose there, Matthew, if you because uh, we will be going back there. So First Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 9 to 11. There's quite a bit about building in this chapter, but we're just going to take a little section for now. So, 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. 
We are God's fellow, fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we don't need to be concerned about which foundation we should use. We should build on Jesus Christ. He is firm, he is secure, he is established as we saw from the first chapter of John. And what we need to do is build on that foundation. The, the parable that Jesus told in, in Matthew and in Luke isn't just about foundations. I think foundations are just the preliminary. It's about the building as well. Because if both men had, had started their foundation and stopped there and not completed the house, then they would both have been washed away by the flood because they'd just have been stood on the ground. There needed to be a building on top of the foundation. The foundation and having the right foundation is critical, as we've said. But there needs to be some building work on top of that as well. Let's just quickly look to Hebrews chapter 6. As quickly as you can find it anyway. There's more talk of foundations here. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. This is saying that we need to move on from the foundation. We need to build, we need to become mature. Now we're all at different stages of our faith, different stages of our building and that's, that's accepted. But we do need, once we've established ourselves on Jesus as our foundation, we need to move on and not just continually focus on thinking about who Jesus is, but to go on and to build our faith. The reason Jesus told the parable was to show what the man who listens to his words and does them is like. So when we talk about building, we're talking about doing what Jesus says. Matthew 7 verse 24. I don't... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to flick backwards and forwards so you can follow me if, if you'd like to. Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds. So, if we're talking about building, if we're talking about building our faith and our, our future eternal life, what we need to do is listen to Jesus' words and do them. If you look back through the previous few chapters of Matthew, you'll see the Sermon on the Mount. You'll see this list of teachings of Jesus, of things to do. We're here this morning to remember Jesus, but not just Jesus as an abstract character from history, not just Jesus as someone to admire and look up to, but as Jesus as someone to follow. We need to be doing what he said. So how are you getting on? How is the building going? How actively are you loving your enemies? How generously are you giving to the needy? When was the last time you turned the other cheek? Are you storing up treasures in heaven or on earth? Do you worry about your clothes or your food? How often do you judge and condemn? These are Jesus' words and he asks us to do them. He asks us to build on the foundation of our faith on him with these actions 
in response to his words. You remember the story of the three little pigs? And the version that I told is the one that I, I learned is the one that we're going to use. And that version is sort of in the Bible. And you'll see that in a bit. And you remember, the story of the three little pigs, they all build houses. Uh, foundations aren't mentioned, as, at least not in the version I was told. So presumably they were all on a reasonable foundation. So let's assume that they all chose their foundation wisely and they built on something that, that could uh, hold the house up. So each one builds a house with different materials and different amounts of effort. But nonetheless, by the middle of the story, there are three houses and three happy little pigs. And then the wolf comes, uh, the storm comes, the flood comes. And at least in my version of the story, none of the pigs get eaten by the wolf. Uh, I, I did do an internet check and apparently in older versions they do get eaten, but it's just uh, modern sanitisation, so we'll go with that. Um, the first pig uh, runs to the house of the second pig, and the second pig and first pig then run to the house of the third pig, and they're all saved, and the wolf comes to a, uh, a rather warm end. None of the pigs get eaten in that story. Back in 1 Corinthians 3 is where we see the story of the three little pigs in the Bible, possibly. Uh, if any of you read on from where we stopped last time, you'll already uh, know what I'm going to read. We're going to read, uh, we'll go back to um, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 3 and uh, read on a few verses. So verse 9 again. For we are God's fellow workers... You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. It's similar to the story of the three little pigs. It's talking about building it's talking about different materials, it's talking about a destruction, and it's also talking about a salvation. Jesus' parable exhorts us to put his words into practice, to build on his firm foundation. I think from that chapter in Corinthians, we see that what we build with, how we build, is going to be different for each one of us. I think God expects us to build. I think that is clear from Jesus' teaching. But I think that there is an acceptance from God that we will all build differently. We will all build with different materials. I think we will all build with what we have for now. In Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about all having different gifts and serving in proportion to the gifts that we have. There is no question that Jesus wants us to build our faith and build our life on him and on his teachings, putting his teachings into practice. And that's what we need to do. We need to make a start. Whatever materials we have to hand. Don't wait until you think you have everything sorted before loving your enemies. Before giving generously. Don't delay until you have enough spiritual capital to build with gold. Make a start with what you have. There is no question from that 
chapter in Corinthians that to build with gold is the best thing. But don't be afraid to build with straw. If we delay, if we say, oh, I don't have anything good enough, I can't be good enough, I can't follow closely enough, then we're just like the man who was given one talent and buried it. Perhaps he buried it as a foundation and never built anything on top. I think that too often we're afraid to fail. We're afraid that what we build might get swept away, that what we try and offer to somebody might be rejected. But if we're standing on the rock, if we have our feet firmly planted on Christ, then we can start again when things are washed away or burned or rejected. We are secure by his grace. 1 Corinthians 3 says very clearly that the people who built with straw and hay would be saved. They would suffer loss, but they will be saved. And every time we fall, every time what we've built falls down, we can start again because we stand firm in Christ. We have Christ as a firm foundation which can't be moved or shaken. He is better than any foundation we can think of in this world. He is not susceptible to any outside forces. And if we can plant our feet firmly on him, then we are secure and we are saved. His life and his words are a blueprint for our own. And we have the opportunity to try and to imitate Christ. What a wonderful opportunity that is. Let's not be afraid. Let's grasp it and start to build on that foundation. The standard is incredibly high. And we can only build with what we have. And when our efforts are in straw or hay or wood, then that's okay. But try and improve. Try and do better. And when they're swept away, start again. Whatever we build will be imperfect because we are imperfect. But by God's grace, we can be made perfect. And we will be made perfect. I'm going to finish by reading Luke 6, which is the, uh, the other version of the parable. Luke 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Let's be placed firmly on Christ as our foundation. And let's build something and rest secure in the knowledge that he will reward our building. Thanks, Andy. Some really really useful pictures there as well to help us remember things. Even even if a house has good foundations, whatever it's made of, whether it's half-built or not, it needs maintaining as well, doesn't it? And for me, what we're going to do now is part of that essential maintenance. Um, And Jesus asked us to do it. And we know what happens if we don't do what Jesus asked us to do. It's like building on the sand. We're going to share some bread together and drink some wine together to remember Jesus' sacrifice, to remember what he did for us. Um, And before we do that, Mike's going to lead our thanks for the bread. Father God in heaven, Thank you for uh, bringing us here this morning to to hear some parables. We've read about the true light that comes into the world. We thought a little bit 
about children of God and we talked a little bit longer about buildings and now we come to another parable this bread and Jesus he told us you are the true bread the true bread that comes from heaven and we're going to take some bread now and this not true bread this bread that can go mouldy can keep us alive for a day or two but Lord you're about much more than that you're about eternity and not just not just living forever Lord but eternity with you eternity with God Jesus I pray that as we take this bread that it will be like taking a bit of you into us that we won't just be listening to your words, but that we'll become like you. That your, this bread that goes into our bodies and builds up our body will be, as we think about you, as we focus on you, as we worship you, that we can become like you and put your words into practice in our lives. So Father, help us, as we take this bread, help us to to properly take it into us as we share it between each other and help us to help each other as well. Thank you for this bread. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to share this bread as as Jesus did with his disciples and um, we're going to it's a reminder for us, isn't it, of, of the bread of life, um, our Lord. Great God in heaven, we come to you now to say thank you. To say thank you for giving us your lovely Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity to build our lives on him. We could build our lives on other things. We could build our lives on, say, treasures on earth. But Lord, we know that when troubles come and when things go wrong, which inevitably they do, we know that by building our lives on Jesus, our foundation, our grounding will never fail. Because Jesus is stronger than the clay. He's stronger than the sand and the gravel. He's even stronger than the rock. Father, we thank you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are constant. That you are the one thing in our day-to-day life that will always be there. That will always support us and that will never let us down. Because, Lord Jesus, we're sorry that we let you down. And we pray that you will help us. We pray that you will help us to build our lives in our church, this church, on you. We let you down, Lord Jesus, when we sin. And we thank you that you have given your life, given your life for us so that we don't have to worry about that and we can concentrate on building up ourselves and being light stands, being your light, reflecting the glory of God to the people around us and showing them that you are the only person who is strong. And so, Father, we thank you for this wine that we're about to take. We thank you that you have given us Jesus and we thank you that we have Jesus and we will forever have Jesus because he will never fail us. Father, thank you. In the name of your dear Son, we ask this prayer. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you to the band and to everybody who's helped me out. But thank you all for being here. Um, 
We're going to close in prayer in a moment through Brother John. Um, but first of all, we're going to sing two songs together. We're going to sing praise to our to our God and to His Son for the, Jesus' power in in the foundation that He provides for us in our lives, for His grace in our lives as we try and build on that foundation. And we're going to worship together. We're going to worship God Almighty, our Father, and we're going to worship His His lovely Son. Our Lord Jesus Christ. So will you stand with me and uh, we'll close in worship and praise. Almighty Lord God, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts that we have been able this morning to spend some time in the presence of greatness. We've been allowed to drink deeply of the beauty of your word. We have enjoyed the faithful word of exhortation and we have been blessed by the reliability of true remembrance. We pray together, Lord, you will bless these things to us, that we can, from here onwards, as we have in the past, continue to seek support and consolation in the high tower unto which we can, as David said, continually resort, because that high tower of yours is built on rock, and a foundation that will never be removed. We do recall, Lord, how the prophet Elijah was asked by you when he ran away from the problems of his life, when the winds and the storms and the floods had descended on him. He ran into the desert of despair and sat on the sand. And you said to him, What are you doing here? And we know, Lord, as we face that question, we know what we are doing here. We are here because we have wanted to reaffirm our confidence and belief in our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our world is full of leaders, but there's only one Saviour. And you have called us to him through your merciful kindness, and we pray you will bless him and his life and our calling to him to each one of us as we have need in the future. We know from experience in the past and the likelihood for the future is that there will be storms and there will be tempests and there will be floods. Teach us, Lord, not to run away into the desert of despair, but to know why we come to you and to continue to come to you. For this really is the only place open to mankind to come. And we pray that you will open the hearts of all who will seek you and that you will use us as instruments of opportunity and light to show people the true light that they can in their lives drink of his blood and partake of his body unto eternity and that we by the example of our lives show this is what we believe. And so that the words now we offer in thanks may not just be words, but they might be interpreted in actions of thanks day by day. So that as the first hymn we sang this morning said, from the outside in and from the inside out, we'll, we'll, we will show we have been with Jesus and in our lives reflect the beauty that has come from him to us and unto other people. Accept therefore our thanks, nonetheless. Forgive our weaknesses, Lord, and be with each one of us as we have need. We pray in the name of Jesus.